Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast. Coffee Time Wednesdays. Favorite host, Nicholas Lirio. Favorite co-host, Kent Boucher. Man, it's been a minute. Kent. Yeah. We haven't done one of these types of coffee time. Well, you know what? We did that one coming back from Iowa City. After uh, that's true, but that was that was a few weeks ago. Already. Yeah, that was a few weeks ago. My goodness, the corn has changed since then on the face of have, Iowa. Yeah, it's not but, only grown; it's now brown. Yeah, and the beans are starting to turn, and um, the prairies changed too. Yeah, we were out ex- uh, six days ago uh, in the prairie, and it was yep. four-ish Indian feet grass, tall. Indian yep. grass about four-ish feet tall, maybe five feet tall. Chest high. Yep. Well, uh, in three days, yeah. three days after that, it was a foot over our yeah, head. Yeah, we went back in the exact same patch, Yep, and we we were doing the exact same job, which was removing big blue stem from our Indian grass production field. And we, we did it, just to give a little shout out to our friend Doug and uh, his Sharing the Land project, really dream idea thing that uh, we're very excited to be a part of yep um we did a work day with uh doug Dern and uh some uh, a film crew and um some uh access seekers that are exchanging work here at hoxie for uh hunting access and, and the film crew was land limited but they were third party and i guess doug shared this so it's okay mm-hmm. they're with onyx which is pretty cool to have onyx representatives out here filming our farm yeah, it was just a, a great time all the way around. Um, it's one of those things where you feel like, you know, however small, whatever each individual person does towards a cause, and our cause being conservation, right? Um, we made a difference that day, yeah. you know, in, in many different ways, too. Yeah. But, but anyways, we were out there. We were digging up big blue stem out of our indie grass. You might be like, wait, wait a minute. I thought big blue stem was good. Big blue stem is good. It's great. It's actually my favorite um, native grass. Really, um, I think the most beautiful is little blue stem. But, yeah, but uh, big blue is just so iconic, and it's it's just like I'm the boss. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, the apex right, prairie, right? And I, so I like that about it. And I like the turkey foot claw on top. You know that's cool. But uh, we were out there. The reason we were digging it up is because if we're going to raise the seed for sale, we need to know when we go to put in seed into mixes what we're putting in there and the amounts that it's going in because there are specific seeding rates that go into a native planting plan. And uh, especially for like CRP and so forth, there's rules on how much of each species you're allowed to put into a mix. So... That being said, we can't have other species growing in uh, a different field, especially if the seed size is very similar, which Indian grass and Big Blue is quite similar. In fact, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think we might use the same uh, screen configuration when we're uh, cleaning cleaning them, mm-hmm. and so yep. um, they're just they're just very similar seeds. You so you don't basically want to can't them separate them without very very expensive high-tech machinery right and even then i'd i'd question how well that would do you know just because they're so similar so long story short we had to get that field cleaned up that's why we're digging it out and then as nick said just a few days later this chest high indian grass towered 
like so much so that we would get in there and we'd have to ask where each other were. Yeah. Yelling yeah, around. Yeah. Kent, where are you at? Yeah. You know, and, Dude, and that was on, that was like a bottom 20 day of my life. No, I'm not even kidding. Nick. Nick was torn to ribbons. I forgot to wear pants. And what Laura Walter teach us? <laughs> wear pants and know your plans. Who did not wear pants? This fool didn't wear pants. Wore I'm a loincloth. No. <laughs> Fashion from, remember that possum that was living under his house? Nick had enough. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that He was wearing a possum loincloth. It's very warm. No, uh, and, and soft. Uh, <laughs> he kept the tail on the back. Oh my goodness! No, I have these shorts that are just above the knee, right? And you're walking through the Indian grass for a while, and it's it's not terrible, but you got to keep in mind right now there's tons of pollen in the Indian grass, so the yeah. pollen is literally hanging. You can see like pockets yep. of pollen, like little sacks of pollen hanging from the Indian grass. So you're fill and it's at like what your face and higher. Right. Up so above your head. you're literally brushing through the pollen. I don't have terrible allergies, but when they kick in, they kick in strong. Yeah. Poor Ezra, dude. Yeah. We had another kid working with us. You might've seen him on our Instagram. He worked with us all summer, started school, came back for this one work day to help us out. And he puffed up like a puffer fish. His eye basically swelled shut. His dad told me later that his eye his one eye was totally swollen shut, and the other one was leaking, like crying the whole way home. He had a forty-minute oh, drive home, man. and he was like trying to see out of his eye as he was driving, man. But uh, anyway, I was so I had a similar issue as that, and then slowly the Indian grass, the like thick fibers, start to rub against mm-hmm. you, and then the rubbing starts to like tear into your skin. So you get all these micro cuts, which isn't the end of the world. It's like a little itchy. But then the pollen gets in those micro cuts. So I had hives break still out. Still has hives. Yeah, I still do. And it's been three days. I have high I had hives from my ankle to above my knee, all up my forearms, and then all wrapped around my neck and then a little bit on my face. And I got home and my wife was like, What the heck? I literally I got home at maybe three PM, got in the shower, and then I woke up the next day for church. That was like oh, how man. that day went. I was so miserable. I was in so much pain. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Nick, Nick got pretty torn up in there, but, um, and that's because the heat units, I learned this heat units, you get enough heat units on a plant. That's energy. I mean, yeah. I knew that they use the sun as energy. I just didn't know that heat units was a term. So the more heat that the sun is producing, the more energy they can take. And the, you were going to say something about the corn, but the Indian grass Shot up. He used that energy yeah. and grew two feet. Well, you know, growth is the result of metabolic process inside of a living organism. And metabolic process just means like a a chemical reaction going on inside of a living thing. And most chemical reactions are sped up when you introduce heat, right? Heat is like a, a general catalyst, you could say, to a reaction. And an environmental catalyst. And, um, you know, so we talked about that really sped up maturation process for the corn and the soybeans that we've been seeing, but it was also true for the prairie grass as well. And, uh, it's just really interesting though, to be seeing that like first person up, up close, you know, I love that about this job. I used to teach about this stuff, but now I get to see it playing out, you know, right in front of me. And that's, that's really cool. That is cool. So what was your topic today? Well, it's right along the lines of what we were just talking about. Um, we just got through this tremendous heat wave. I don't think we really mentioned that. I think we just kind of insinuated that. It was ridiculous 
Yeah. Really hot. Yeah. Last and week. humid. It wasn't like a dry hot that you get like in Arizona. It was just 105 yep. degrees and swimming. Yep. Yeah. Just, just oppressive heat. And, um, uh, of course, one of the hottest days was when we were doing sharing the land. Yeah. So we're all out there working. But we got to say, uh, we had cloudy weather in the morning. We were digging in the big blue, yeah. and that really kept the temperature But it was down. crazy. The moment the clouds went away, it, it crept oh. up like a degree a minute yes. for like 30 straight minutes. Yes. It, it was crazy. Yeah, it was it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty uh, nasty weather as far as heat goes. But um, with that, you know, now not so much like the heat, yes, that affects the corn. It causes it to grow faster it takes in those heat units and does more growth we just talked about that but the humidity side of it was related to the corn as well uh, through this last burst of growth and maturation process a lot of evapotranspiration is taking place we've talked about that on here before and uh, yeah like it, 70 episodes ago yeah a long time ago but um evapotranspiration has been Kind of, kind of like, uh, so we're talking about Doug, CWD, chronic wasting disease. Doug is like, like the uh, spokesperson for the seriousness of CWD in a, a deer herd. But a lot of, when the media gets a hold of it, they change it into something that's more catchy, right? So they call it zombie deer disease. Well, evapotranspiration has been rebranded as corn sweat. <laughs> <laughs> the old corn sweat. And most people can't say evapotranspiration. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it too. It took me like a year and a half to learn that word. Well, I think, uh, you know, like the spell checker in your computer doesn't even recognize yeah, it. it, as is, a, it when as I try a, to text the word, it doesn't know. Yeah, it just swips it, switches it to like somebody's name. <laughs> Evander no, it Holyfield. It, <laughs> it switches it straight to corn sweat. It like knows what it is, but doesn't yeah. know it's a word. <laughs> but... Uh, no, so all that evapotranspiration going on, all that corn sweat going on, just releases all this water into the atmosphere, this water vapor into the atmosphere, raising that those humidity levels. And so um, it got me thinking, you know, when we use that term corn sweat, it's like one of those, you know, like easy, low-hanging fruits where you get a gripe and be like, see, another way... You know, corn screws us over. We got corn sweat. But I was like, you know what, though? Corn is a grass. And um, Iowa used to be covered with grass. Used to be covered with prairie. I wonder if, you know, like how that evapotranspiration rate of corn compares to uh, prairie. And so I found this article from the University of Illinois. And they, they, like check this exact thing out Hmm. and uh the the article is titled how does corn affect midwest weather and uh it's by uh duane friend and and um he went through and uh explained you know uh this is what it is yada yada but then he gets to this partner's article where it says evapotranspiration corn versus prairie and uh, I just mm. love I just love it when I find a resource that addresses the exact mm-hmm. like weird question that I have. It's like yes, yeah, yeah. somebody else did the hard work for this. <laughs> but uh, um, what it come comes down to really throughout his article was you know first of all it's kind of hard to know for sure, but they've done some research on this, 
and it kind of like evens out almost. Uh, within some cases, I, if I remember correctly, Prairie might have even had a little bit more of that wow huge, that evapotranspiration effect. Well, and Prairie would have held more water, like yes, standing water, right? and that would have had yeah, another. Those plants would have had more water in them. And uh, but he said he, and I think this was his. So he, and this is where I. I didn't quite know if I agree with him. He said, but prairie hits its prime like maturation time earlier in the year, like it, where it's doing most of its evapotranspiration earlier in the summer. Like he said, more like late June time frame or something like that. Whereas corn, where it, when it's not as hot, whereas corn is right when it's a, our hottest time. And I don't mm. really think I agree with that because prairie seems to really come on and grow just like what we were talking about now, same time. Yeah. You know, late late August. Um, now, there are a lot of early season species, but not near as many as like mid-season and late season yeah. uh, species in the prairie. And so, um, it, you know, it's, normally we like to knock corn on here. Believe you me, there's not a bigger corn knocker out there than myself, probably. Don't but, use terms like that. <laughs> I don't want to know about I, corn I, knockers. I knew, I, I knew when I said that, that would bug you. That's why I said it. But uh, you're the one that wears a possum loincloth to work, so. <laughs> it's very comfortable. Very right. offensive. But, um, no, so uh, in this case, you know, uh, you can't really blame corn for that. You know, that's uh, – it, it's a uh, it's a problem that's kind of been here forever, and also a reminder that you know it's more than just the human comfort level that this planet operates on. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like uh, nature's going to do its thing regardless of how comfortable we are. Yeah, man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, regardless of how comfortable we are. Dude, we're real good at making ourselves comfortable. I was thinking that the other day when I was ticking the air conditioner one tick yeah. up. You know, you're just like, wow, I can make, I am soft. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was soft too. But yeah, can you imagine being a like a like a Native American living out on the prairies back at and during a heat wave like that? Oh yeah. Like, how do you find relief? I mean, maybe you go and like hang, hang out, out in the by, water, hang out by like a some creek bottom or something in the shade. I don't know. I mean, that would just be. Because it's dangerous, too, to be in that heat. Yeah. Well, it's dangerous when you're soft and that's big, true. cushy. Yeah, you know? That's right. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for yep, mine? Yep, I'm ready Guys, for Guys, mine's a good one this this time. Mine's a good one. All right. Got a question for you. Is strawberry a fruit? Mm-hmm. Yay or nay? Uh, this is it goes back to the old question, are berries a fruit? Because a fruit, I think, by definition, contains its seed inside of the fruiting body whereas berries are kind of on the outside yep 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 is strawberry a fruit yes uh, or no i can't remember if berries are considered a fruit or i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say it's a berry okay is a blackberry a fruit um i think that's kind of the same thing i I haven't eaten a lot blackberries to me are always disappointing they look so delicious i know and it's like this is like a you know uh, it is it's those gmo blackberries probably had like a real wild 
like true blackberry. I don't, I don't think I have. They have know, a lot of them in Wash in Seattle. But so, like the grocery store ones, you know, they're just oh, like yeah, it's like no. a it's like a uh, step below a raspberry. I think what it is, you're used to you're used to blackberry syrup, which is not blackberry. Yeah, but <laughs> I have not had very. Much. I don't even know if I've ever had blackberry. Syrup. All right, all right, all right. Is tomato a fruit? Yes. Is grape are grapes a fruit? Uh, uh, I'm just going with my seeds on the inside thing. Uh, it's a vine growing thing, but so is a tomato really in a way. So yeah, yes, I'm going to go with fruit. So I think you're not remembering this. We had a similar debate with, uh, Tabitha Panis's episode, uh, episode 14 and a good friend of ours, Laura Walter was listening to that episode and texted me. You want to hear what she said? Yeah. In culinary terms, Strawberries are fruit. However, each of the quote unquote seeds is actually inside a little dried husk of ovary tissue, which is just weird to consider a fruit ovary, but uh, making them each a dried fruit. So each strawberry seed is a fruit. Wow. So what is the strawberry in of itself then? The red berry, quote unquote, forms from the end of the stem that supports the flower. So the botanical point of view, eating a strawberry is having a vegetable with a whole bunch of little fruits. The red berry <laughs> part is a vegetable. That is interesting. Is that crazy? Yeah. All right, all right. We got a little more here. Um, by botanical definition, botanical definitions are different from the culinary ones there too. A berry is a fleshy fruit developing from one plant ovary with seeds inside of it. So it needs to have one over. So blackberry and raspberries is just a bunch of fruits. So each little like each little yeah, lobe each little of pod. each little lobe of the raspberry. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. Tomatoes and grapes. This isn't her quote. Uh, her quote is: "So a tomato is a classic berry. So is a grape." Isn't that crazy? Does a berry count as a fruit then? Um, I think so. I think she meant to say that. I think tomato is a classic. Yeah, fruit. that's wow. That's very interesting. Yeah. So like the most fruit thing you eat is pizza. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here to learn today, guys. <laughs> oh, man. We're on the I just snorted. I must be excited for some pizza. Dude, guys, Ken and I are both on a diet and we are not ourselves and Sucks. we're literally <laughs> drooling all the time about anything. Cause it's like, I had half a granola bar yesterday. That's all I ate. <laughs> it like comes in. He's like, I don't know why I'm so lightheaded after being outside. <laughs> I didn't think of that. That probably is why I was feeling it today. Oh man, dude, it's kicking my butt. I had my, it's good for us. Though. We're consuming less. My longest run yesterday. And we have to practice what we preach. I am hurting. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right, guys. Thanks for joining. Don't forget, we're presented by Hoxie Native Seeds. See you next time.